When it comes to safeguarding patient data, what should covered entities demand from their business associates? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Daniel Schroeder, Partner in Charge of Information Assurance Services at consulting firm Habif, Arrogati, and Wynn. Daniel will be discussing the top questions that covered entities should ask their business associates about security. So now, Daniel, when covered entities are considering to work with a vendor that will handle protected health information, what are the most important questions that the covered entities should ask the BAs about security? Mary Ann, the covered entity in today's environment needs to know that the business associate understands the risk that they represent to the covered entity, that they have an effective risk management program in place, And finally, that they can provide the appropriate form of evidence to the covered entity that those right things relative to risk management are deployed and operationally effective. So now, Daniel, under the HIPAA omnibus rule that went into effect in 2013, business associates are directly liable for HIPAA compliance. But as we know, the HIPAA security rule was written years ago before many of the sophisticated cyber threats that we're seeing today emerged. With that said, what should covered entities expect from their BAs when it comes to protecting patient data? For instance, should the covered entities expect their BAs to go beyond the basic requirements of HIPAA compliance and safeguarding patient data? And if so, what should covered entities be demanding from their BAs that goes beyond what's required by HIPAA? You know, Marianne, it's, it's possible that there's some degree of risk management that's necessary, that's over and above omnibus or fundamentally the HIPAA security rule. But for starters, I think there is a there's a foundational element of the HIPAA security rule that's incorporated omnibus. That would be the starting point of a question that the covered entity would want to know. And that is, has the business associate effectively completed a risk analysis as called for by the security rule? In terms of the OCRs, audits, the HIPAA compliance, and a whole lot of other anecdotal evidence related to various breaches indicates that the security rule, the risk analysis requirement of that is something that many organizations today are struggling with. Without an effective risk analysis as called for by the security rule, then it's unlikely that the business associate is going to then know the right things to do for risk management and finally be able to prove that. So While the the modern threats associated with cyber, certainly they're occurring well after when the security rule was written. It's very interesting that the security rule and the nature of the risk analysis is still very timely today in the fact that that is the foundation, not just of HIPAA compliance, but it's also the foundation for cybersecurity risk management in many respects. So, Dan, with that said, what kinds of assurance or evidence should covered entities expect from their BAs to ensure that the BAs are actually doing what they say they will be doing to protect patient data? Should the CEs, for instance, ask to see a copy of the BA's risk assessment and how they're mitigating any risks that they identified? There's alternative approaches that the covered entity could follow. One approach would be to obtain some form of an audit report or a certification report from the business associate and then to ensure that uh, that particular report fulfills the requirements of the BA and certainly provides the necessary information or the information necessary for the covered entity 
to be comfortable that the right type of risk management program is in place. There's a number of different types of reports that are out there. The healthcare community is aware of a report called SSA 16. It's been around a long time. It typically is the wrong report to address privacy and security-related matters. SSA 16, also known as SOC 1, can be a great report for matters pertaining to financial matters, for example, the processing of claims and the management of financial assets, but it's a very poor report for privacy and security matters. An alternative AICPA report structure and standard known as SOC2, when performed effectively to encompass security and privacy and potentially integrity, can be a great vehicle for communicating to the covered entity that the business associate has assessed, properly understood the risk they represent uh, to the covered entity that they've defined an effective risk management program and that there is a set of testing over top of all of those controls to provide evidence back to the covered entity that those controls are deployed and operationally effective for some extended period of time such that it provides the covered entity comfort with respect to the business associate's risk management. So those are a couple of alternatives that are from the AICPA. There is another product that's out there from High Trust. Many in the uh, healthcare uh, industry are familiar with High Trust, and so it is a more of a, let's call it a branded form of certification where the foundation of High Trust, what's known as the NIST 853 uh, standards put forward by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, widely recognized security framework, as well as a lot of the structure for high trust was modeled after ISO 27001, another widely recognized security protocol. So many in the healthcare community like the high trust structure because it's uh, tailored for security purposes in the healthcare setting, and so that's great. So you could get a high trust certification from a, a certified high trust assessor. And then recently, the AICPA has, in conjunction with High Trust, uh, come up with a model whereby High Trust is uh, also can be incorporated under SOC2 reporting, so that a business associate could produce an SOC2 report that is extended uh, slightly, so as to incorporate that which is represented by High Trust. That's another alternative for the covered entity. So, Daniel, when you work with covered entities and business associates. When it comes to their business associate agreements, what do you see often overlooked or neglected that should be part of these agreements that would help with the assurance that the BA is actually going to do what the CE expects? I think this whole area, Marianne, associated with governance and, and risk management of vendors is, is something the healthcare industry struggle with and other industries as well. But it, it comes down to with whether it's a part of the BAA or it's just ongoing vendor management is really ensuring and having the right protocols in place for the covered entity to have complete assurance that the right things are happening from a risk management perspective. Too many times, Marianne, a a covered entity will see that a business associate has some form of a report, and that report purportedly addresses privacy and security-related matters or other matters for HIPAA, and the covered entity might assume that the mere existence of that report actually is evidence that their risk management needs are represented when we know that in many cases that's not the case. And it's not necessarily something intentional on the part of the BA where they're intending to deceive the covered entity, but it's from a 
from a lack of understanding or confusion about what's in these reports. So I would say that to protect themselves against the possibility of that happening, that whether it's part of the BAA or ongoing management or oversight of the vendor slash business associate, that first and foremost, get real proof that there is effective risk management program, starting with is there an effective risk analysis that underlies and that is performed in the context of the services the BA is performing for the covered entity? Then has the business associate actually, can they provide evidence as well that they've aligned a risk treatment program or risk management program in conjunction with that risk analysis? And then finally, is there some type of an assurance report that the business associate can give to the covered entity that would serve as some form of evidence that those right things are happening. And Marianne, on the, on the topic of, of assurance reporting, there's, there's a wide range of assurances that could be provided. And so the, the covered entity will have to determine what level of assurance is necessary for them. In some cases, an assurance could be the word of an executive where they convey and say, you can trust us because we've thought about this and we've done that, or maybe they put it in a letter, and that might be good enough. In other cases where there's a high degree of risk relative to the confidentiality, the integrity, the availability of protected health information, and that risk would transcend as well the covered entity, the covered entity may very well want to have an independent assurance that's performed under professional standards with professional liability involved that provides them a higher level of assurance that they can trust that the right things are happening from the business associate. And so our firm, in full disclosure, is not just a consulting firm. We're a CPA firm, and uh, we're part of the community that issues, for example, SOC2 reports that would be such an example of a type of report that would be done under professional standards that the covered entity then could look at that and potentially can conclude that that provides a higher level of assurance for them with respect to the nature of services being performed by the business associate and the risk management program that's in place. How about penetration testing? Often you hear that covered entities are interested in seeing how the business associate did in these sorts of tests, but there's often pushback that, you know, that might be revealing too much about the vulnerabilities that a BA has. Where do you stand on that? Pen testing is a is an interesting topic. I think many in the security community are gonna there's different positions one can take about the pros and cons of pen testing. I'll try to cover the highlights for you on, on those two sides of the argument. I'll tell you where, I, where we're at as well. Penetration test, by the way, I will tell you that our, our definition of that, and I think it aligns to some of the formal definitions from the likes of the NIST, is that it, it is a manual and automated means of, of identifying vulnerabilities and the exploitation of vulnerabilities for the purpose of confirming that the vulnerabilities can be exploited and that information assets can be compromised. And so it's been a, a common type of security test for many years. It, by, by way of the nature of this, it involves trained, uh, skilled individuals attempting to perform ethical hacking, if, as, as it were, uh, to get into a system to see if they can actually uh, find information that could be you know, represent some form of a exposure or a breach, if you will, or compromise of the infrastructure. The nature of the tests that are run can destabilize different components of the infrastructure, and that's part of the argument against performing pen testing. Another argument against performing pen testing is that the application 
of, of effective security management practices and principles, uh, some of which are represented by the likes of ISO 27001 or NIST 853. There are many in the security community, including the ISO 27001 standard, again, widely internationally recognized as a, as a leading security standard. As part of that standard, it does not recommend or does not explicitly call for the execution of pen testing. And the theory is, is that if an organization is doing all the other prerequisites with respect to security risk management, you know, whatever that might be, including an effective vulnerability management program, including network segmentation and the like, that you then have done all the necessary activities such that the actual execution of a pen test is rendered unnecessary or it's rendered moot. And so then you therefore would not need to execute the pen test and as well subject yourself to the inherent risk that a pen test would represent. Finally, Dan, looking ahead to 2016, anything that you see changing in terms of trends or demands from CEs to their BAs in terms of the sorts of assurance that they either are seeking or should seek? I do think that the healthcare industry is certainly like uh, some other industries, particularly financial services, where uh, we're seeing much more heightened awareness of the risk that are represented by the BAs, the interdependency of this uh, elaborate web of business associates that supports our healthcare system. It's uh, it's what makes it uh, so great. It's also increasingly in the era of digital health records and uh, cloud services is what, uh, in conjunction with the very persistent, very sophisticated cyber threat, it's what makes it so dangerous. And so we're seeing increasingly where the covered entities are becoming more and more aware of these risks and they are raising the bar on their business associates with respect to their expectations to be able to demonstrate and to provide appropriate forms of evidence that they've done the right sort of things, not just for HIPAA compliance, but also for effective risk management, because sometimes the, the nature of the cyber threat is it could be greater than what is called for, say, for example, by the HIPAA security rule. So we're seeing an expectation that says that we want to see evidence that you have thought through these risks, that you have really followed the spirit of what's called for by the risk analysis requirement from the security rule, and that you've taken a very thoughtful approach with respect to risk management. And by the way, the, that which is required, uh, that's what is associated from an addressable and a required perspective from the HIPAA security rule is a good start. It is not nearly enough for many organizations. And so we would suggest if you're a business associate and you represent any form of significant risk to your covered entities, that you actually deploy protocols such as that represented by ISO 27001 or perhaps NIST 853, that you incorporate that into an effective risk management program, that you subject it to independent oversight and monitoring and testing, and that you be prepared when it comes time to contracting with the covered entity to be able to provide them uh, with an independent form of assurance authority, provides evidence for all of the above. The SOC2, again, when done properly, uh, can provide that level of professional standards that uh, we see more and more covered entities are calling for. Thanks, Dan. I've been speaking to Daniel Schroeder. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.